Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it's the week that will define happiness for an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, as I texted you today, uh, wow, we're already at the end. I, I mean, like, uh, I feel like this season five in some ways. and Maybe for me, because I'm not working in football this year. And just a fan, it's moving really fast, and I feel like we spent a lot of time previewing this year. Now here we are, game 12, and the regular season is coming to an end. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. You know, the year has gotten um, roller coastery for ASU. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's been, a, it's been interesting from the, you know, I think the first three weeks was, was a pretty low feeling, and then the middle – Four games was a you know pretty good feeling. We lost to Stanford in that stretch, but besides that, you know some surprising wins, and and then a little bit of a, a lull, and and you know hopefully we can finish it on a high note after beating Oregon State. You know if we can get to seven and five, which is where you and I both projected, I think with a, a little bit of optimism thrown into those projections, be a pretty solid enough finish given. Um, Definitely where we were at the beginning of the year. Uh, the seven and five seemed quite unlikely. Do you think that Ray Anderson just picked a number of wins? Because you know, I, I've heard I, I rumor of that. And Metcalf, yeah, I mean, uh, did you listen to Haller and Metcalf this week? They kind of speculated on that same topic that, you know, does Graham know that seven wins is was mandatory to get this year? Uh, that makes me a little wary. You know, if that's true, I hope that's not true. I guess let's put it that way because I feel like you want to look at more factors than just how many games you want. I mean, that's important. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, there's there's certain factors in evaluating a program beyond just number of wins. Who'd you play? How'd you get there? Uh, you know, so I'm hoping that's not the case. I was going to say the same thing. I I think that bowl eligibility was an obvious line yeah but beyond bowl eligibility i think you have to just go with the flow of the season don't you yes yes i, I mean i feel like there should probably have been a minimum number of wins in order to consider bringing him back like i mean i i, I would not say oh well they could have gone three and nine and you could have said you know this program's pointed in the right direction no i feel like anything under 500 regular season uh, would have been, you know, kind of like, okay, you didn't meet the minimum number. But I don't necessarily think we should say, meet this number and you're golden. We're bringing you back. And if you don't meet this number, you're gone. Because there's too many variables. I mean, it can go into a game um, that, you know, can somehow swing a season. I mean, you know, so if the number was eight wins uh, and we had somehow beaten Texas, which was a game we could win, does that make the program feel a whole lot better? Not really. I mean, it would have been a nice win, but, you know, I mean, like, I just, I, that makes me a little nervous if that really was the case, because what if you have a couple of fluke wins and you're like, well, we should be five and seven, but somehow we got to seven and five. Well, I guess we got to keep the guy. No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that that shouldn't be the line, but my question to you, if he wins this game in a, not convincing rivalry game yeah. type, you know, yeah, squeaker of a victory. Mm-hmm. Do, does he go? Does he stay? I 
I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a hard decision. It really is. I, I feel like this is why guys like Ray Anderson get paid big bucks because they have to make decisions like this. Uh, you know, again, I, I mean, I said last week, and admittedly we were coming off a loss. You know, we talked about it last week, and I said, well, what what are you keeping him around for? What is it? And, and I, you know, we pointed to a lot of on-the-field things, recruiting, his defensive coaching, his in-game coaching. You know, Howler makes the point this week, and it's a good point that, you know, this program has cleaned up a lot of things that were issues off the field. Um, guys don't get in trouble. Um, GPA is good. And, and none of those things matter as much as winning games, but they do matter. And, and you know, so um, there's a mind, you know, there's kind of a frame of mind there that you say, you know what, this guy, is he's cleaned up a lot of mess that he inherited, and he did. And, you know, if, if it feels like we're pointed in the right direction, improvement by potentially two games from last year, you could make the argument that let's keep this going. Let's give him a chance to recruit with the facility done, with the stadium, you know, almost complete. Um, then you can also make the argument that we made last week. So it's it's hard. I mean, it really is. I, I don't have a, a firm answer on that. I don't know if you do. Well, I usually just wait for you to decide, and then I agree with you. So if I have to do it on my own, that's a problem. Uh, I just don't. Now, I I will say this to you. If we lose in bad fashion, and maybe there's no way to lose in good fashion, but, you know, let's let's say it was a game like last year, then, yeah, you know, let's help him pack his boxes and move on. Um, But If 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 we lose by two scores, I think he's gone. If we, I think so. If we and lose I, by I one score, that, you know, yeah, I, I, here's the other thing, and I know this is bad to say. Our top recruit is a high-value three-star on ESPN. And yeah. he's had a very good senior season, and the uncertainty is costing us. He's taking a trip to UCLA, which has its own uncertainty, right. and to Michigan yeah, in the next true. two weeks. So, you know, I guess my vote is, you know, Ray Anderson – on Monday, tell me what happens. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it shouldn't. It shouldn't wait. Um, I, I, you know, there's no real way. I would. I would even suggest what do what UCLA did. Make the decision Sunday. There's no reason to wait. If especially if you've made the decision to move on, uh, just do it. Um, uh, you know, now if you're going to keep him and sign him to a you know couple year extension or something like that, which you almost have to do. Um, you know, then that doesn't have to be announced immediately. But to me, you know, if you're if you're moving on, then you do it within 24 hours. Uh, there's there's well, no reason to wait because you got to get going. You don't have to announce the terms of the deal, but if he's coming back, I think you have to say, of course he's yeah, coming back. Of course he's true. our coach. Had I known this was going to be such a big distraction, I, I would have said something much earlier. Sure, but I was trying sure. not to detract from what this week means right. and what this season, you know, and just cover it up and yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tough call. I mean, you know, as you we were, you know, you just said, you know, well, if we lose by a score, does that change? I mean, I hope not. I hope in some ways that he's already made up his mind and that you know, to the to the effect of um, maybe a disastrous result could change his mind if he's decided, yeah, we're probably going to keep this guy, and they go out and they get blown out by you know thirty five points. You think, well, we can't do that. It's time to move on. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, you, you want it to come down, you hate to put a number on it because, you know, what if we're down by 
14 and we get a garbage time touchdown with, you know, 20 seconds left. Does that change the out, you know, the way the game felt? No, it, it might cosmetically make it look closer, but it doesn't mean you weren't outplayed. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really hard. And I, I guess what's unfortunate about this is instead of talking about the game, we've spent the last, you know, 10 minutes talking about what happens with the coach afterwards. And that's, that's not, I mean, it's, it's natural. It's the story surrounding the game, but it's too bad as, could be a pretty good game. These are two teams that have overachieved uh, from where they were supposed to be. And, you know, from, at least from an ASU perspective, it feels like the whole conversation is will he or won't he get fired after the game. I agree. And, and you're right about the overachieving. You know, these teams were picked to finish fifth and sixth in the conference. And now the yeah. winner of this game will be second in the South. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, so here's, here's my game analysis. Their defense is not that good. Our no. offense has looked okay, especially at home. Um, yeah. Their offense, other than the Oregon game under Tate, has looked pretty good. It, yeah. You know, Tate, yeah. Even against USC, Tate got loose. He was able to do some things. They got going later. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they struggled early and, and, and then did get rolling in the second half. We've struggled against the run, and we've struggled against yeah. mobile quarterbacks. So I think that you could be in for a big shootout here. I the, yeah. the one thing that I didn't it didn't occur to me until Haller and Metcalf pointed it out, but this would have been the game for Karan Crump because he could have just spied because he's so yeah. fast. You're uh, right, and I think uh, I with, didn't think about that either. Yeah, I, I think with this you're looking at probably just by by virtue of how well he's played all season long is you're just going to put it on Christian Sam I think and say. You, yeah, ha- you have to yeah, be the guy. Probably. You have to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, again, I, I I didn't, you know, obviously didn't watch film of it, and the game was on Pac-12, so I couldn't watch it. But, um, you know, I read that Oregon played a lot of, like, 4-2-5 look, basically, um, kind of the old dirt cutter defense, which wasn't all that effective, but, you know, kept him, you know, hemmed in. Didn't give him much running room, made him have to throw, and they did a really good job. And, and Oregon's defense, we saw him. Uh, they're not a great group. You know, it's it's not a situation where, you know, we're so lacking in talent that they have. So I think, you know, steal some things from what they did. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you want the coaches to, to do the X's and O's, but, you know, why not take some things because they found a way to, to, you know, control them that nobody else has really done. You know, the interesting thing is, as you say, we've, you know, against the run and we have, I'm trying to think. We really haven't faced any run first quarterbacks this year that I can that I can remember. No, we uh, haven't. I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just more thinking. You know, when, we've struggled against the run, no yeah, doubt. No we doubt. we've and struggled past, against good runners. We struggled against really good have. runners, I mean, and and he's. A, I think yeah. Tate is. You know, he's from the Pat White School. He's a he is. Oh, know. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and so it'll be an interesting test because we just haven't. We haven't seen it this year. You know, we've faced primarily passing quarterbacks and passing teams, running teams that, that are, you know, power football like San Diego State, Stanford. Um, you know, we've not really faced a spread run team with a quarterback who can run. So it's hard to know how this team's going to do against it because we really just haven't been tested by it this year. The the one thing that I, I feel is going for us compared to last year was last year our secondary was – so porous that we didn't really right. have a choice but to leave guys in coverage even when they weren't passing. At least that's how 
Graham approached the game, whether or not we actually yeah. had a choice is a different question yeah, altogether. True. But <laughs> but he was afraid to leave guys on an island. Whereas this year, Phil Bennett has been very confident just throwing Kobe Williams out there and Chase Lucas out there and saying, yeah. all right, guys, you – it's on you. Make the play. Well, and I think that's how it has to be. I mean, we've you know, look if if the guy goes out and he, um, you know, you can make him throw. I want I don't want to put yards on it because I, you know some of his games he's thrown for you know three hundred yards on you know ten to fifteen completions because of big plays. Um, if you can make him throw twenty five thirty times and they're successful, then boy, at the end of the day, you you have to say good job and shake their hand and move on. Um, but that's got to be the goal. Make him throw it about 30 times because that's less times he's running it. That's less times the running backs are running it. You know, let's, let's see if he can, you know, sit in the pocket and throw the ball. That's not his strength. Um, you know, if he does it, like I said, congratulate him and, and you move on and what can you do, but got to try to take away what he does best. And that's obviously running it. There's a sun bowl berth on the line. Probably. Um, I, I'm nervous. I, I think that we're at home. Uh, we've played yeah. well. We've got yeah. you know we've gotten some things figured out. I think offensively, uh, you know the run blocking is as good as it's been in a number of yeah. years, probably since Richard's sophomore year. Yeah, and that is something that that does give me optimism for this game because Oregon ran it on them, uh, USC ran it on them, and and you know early in the year we run it on anybody. And the last, uh, you know, three, four games, we have run it very well. Um, and, you know, against, against admittedly, not very good run defenses, but this team isn't either. So there's no reason we can't keep that kind of success going, hopefully. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be high scoring? I think this game's going to wind up in the 30s oh, and, yeah. and the 40s. I feel like it has to be for us to have a chance to win. I, I You know, I mean, the Washington game is the one outlier for us, but... You know, you look at it, Washington really isn't that great offensively. Certainly Utah's not. The other games we've won that we've, you know, we've had to work hard to win, Colorado, Oregon, to me this is that type of game. You know, we beat Oregon 37-35. We beat Colorado 41-30. It's it's probably going to be in that range if we win it. You know, it's going to be that type of game, I think, where, you know, each team's going to get theirs and we just have to, you know, out-execute them at the end. For me... It's going to be an ASU win because I can't pick otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to pick ASU 38-34. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is a little bit like when game day is their guest picker from a school. You're not picking against the school. So certainly I'm not going to pick against ASU here. Um, you know, I've picked against them several times this year and, been wrong some of the times, um, but no, I will never pick against him against Arizona, no matter what. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same vein. I think uh, I'll go uh, 34-31 with a, a last second game-ending field goal by Brandon Reese to end his freshman season. That would be something. Um, it would be little little drama. I feel like you know if we're gonna win, there's gonna be drama. This this team. Uh, hasn't made it easy most of the year and as we talked about right off the bat it's been a roller coaster this game will probably be uh, a microcosm of that you know I could feel like it'll probably be a game that at, at one point you know you'll think oh boy this is not good and then maybe at another point you're thinking we got this thing and there might be three or four swings of those feelings over the course of the entire game 
I will be in the state for the first time in a decade yes. for this game. And I'm going to be watching it with my U of A rooting family. So I, I, I have another one for you, Matt. Over under okay. 7.30 to go in the second quarter when I have to go watch in a different room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can only speak for what it would be for me. And if I was around U of A fans in, in a you know room, I'll, be, I'll have some around me in the stadium, but a large amount of ASU. It would be about 14.45 in the first quarter. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it would be earlier. I don't know about you. I'm not sure of your temperament. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't make it very long at all. I mean, I think the other question will be who leaves first because <laughs> like it might depend on how the game is going. Yeah, like I'm out. It, whoever's losing, if someone's down two scores, they're, they're going to leave because they're going to have to right. mix it up. Uh, well, just and I was going to say, I know you well enough to know that if things are going well, you're leaving where you are. Yeah. Because neither would I. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, wherever I start the game, if things are going well, I'm not leaving that spot. And if things aren't going well, I'm leaving that spot. Uh, I mean, I, I stood in about the same spot for the uh, Washington game, even though I really couldn't see the game that well at different parts. I'm like, well, I'm not messing with this. We got the lead here on a number five team country. I'm going to stay where I am and just, uh, you know, strain to see what's going on at times. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% accurate i am bringing multiple multiple tiers of asu gear so that i can adjust according to weather game flow i'm gonna be ready all right i'm gonna be ready very good very good well yeah i mean you're not in the stadium but your last uh couple times being in arizona for an asu game uh have gone well we've won uh not the prettiest wins either time but who cares this is one of those games i don't care if we uh i mean it'd be nice to win by you know a big margin like we did in 2013, that was great. But if you win it, it doesn't really matter if you win by 30-plus or one. It's still a win. Yeah. Sometimes the, the close wins are the fun ones, like the uh, Brooks they extra are. point I mean, yeah, blocks. and. That's Yeah, I mean, uh, the 2010 game is one that certainly um, sticks out uh, being a very unlikely, thrilling win. I always remember running through my apartment just screaming and yelling and, you know, and the windows open and probably people wondering what in the hell was going on in that apartment that night, but it was worth it because it was that exhilarating. Um, well, let's, I guess before we get off topic, uh, on college football in general, the iron bowl this weekend should be fun. Um, yeah. And also the apple cup. Do you have, do you have strong takes on either of those games? Well, I mean, I would probably lean toward Washington. Uh, I know they don't have anything to play for Washington state. If they win, they go to the PAC 12 title game, which would be a big step for Mike Leach. You know, he's had some good years, but he hasn't, he's never won a conference title. And in fact, uh, never played for a conference title at Texas tech or Washington state. So that would be a big step for him. If he can get there. Um, I think Washington will win cause it's at home. And I think they'll, you know, they'll just, you know, they'll have that little extra edge being at home and trying to spoil Washington state. Plus, you know, for Pac-12 fans, you know, the expression of Coogan, it's what they usually do when there's something on the line. Uh, they choke when it matters most. So we'll see if they can overcome that. Um, Iron Pole, I don't know, boy. I mean, you know, I know Auburn looked great, but I'm still wary on Auburn. I watched them a lot at the start of the year. Clemson game, more unimpressive LSU game when they lost a big lead, and I just, I just don't trust them. If I had to pick somebody, I'd still pick Alabama. 
Me too, buddy. Me too. I mean, uh, I want Auburn to win. You know that. And I, you know, hey, I, uh, I picked them to make the playoff at the start of the year, and they still got a shot. Uh, but I just don't trust them yet. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, yeah. It's gonna be a fun weekend. Rivalry weekend's always good. Um, always, always good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there should be some good games. And like I said last time we talked, a lot of, lot of top teams that are on the road. Not necessarily against great opponents, but good enough to get beaten. Um, you know that it, it'll be interesting. You know, Clemson's going to eight and three South Carolina. Ohio State's going to eight and three Michigan. Like those aren't walkover games. Uh, you know, you can get beat there very easily. I could change the completion of things real quick with all you know all the projections we're doing. A loss here this week changes things for a lot of teams. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun because there's a lot of fluidity in the rankings it feels like yeah 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 i mean uh, you know it'll be interesting we'll, we'll kind of know a little bit more about the sec obviously who's going out of the west and you know does georgia escape georgia tech unscathed because I, I still think if georgia beats georgia tech wins the sec title game they'll be in the playoff um regardless of which team they beat in the sec title game so they got a shot you know auburn alabama obviously both have a shot question would be you know does alabama have a shot even if they lose I don't know. It would depend on some other things, probably, to see if they could get back in it. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy weekend. Um, yeah. Let's let's pivot now away from college football and talk about the 90-point scoring, high-flying Sun Devil basketball team as they yeah, yeah. head to Las Vegas to take on Kansas State. And with a win, you would presume Xavier, a top-15 yeah. team. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you finally get, you know, a little bit better tests. Obviously, it's been a relatively soft start to the year schedule-wise, but uh, past those tests with flying colors. So it's it's exciting what they've done and exciting to see what they can do now going against a little better competition this week. Yeah, it's, you know, the excitement around the team seems to be picking up. Uh, the social yeah. media buzz some national attention from, uh, yeah. you know, college basketball writers, Andy Katz, who's now moved on to NCAA.com as his primary spot, right. uh, said that he's got ASU in the tournament right now, which yeah. for, for yeah. this early in the season, we don't usually get there. Uh, it's great. You know, it's, it's sort of laughable to have a tournament field right now. Um, but you know, that's what we do. We have, we usually, you know, a lot of people put out tournament fields in May for the next year. So I guess at least we played some games. Um, long way to go, but yeah, it's, it's nice to have a good vibe around the program and, and hopefully you can keep it up. You know, that's the big thing is to still feel, still feel this way in February and March, not just November. Yeah. I mean, here's the, here's where I come from on that. It's, it's weird to rank this early. It seems yeah. premature, but if we're doing it, I'd rather be in than out. Sure. And right now we're in. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a similar thought to what I said last time we talked about making a lower tier bowl game. You know, is it is it worthy of selling? No, but it's better to be in than not be in. Uh, you know, and, and for most years, you know, in November, December, January, February, and March, we're not anywhere close to being in the tournament projection. So, you know, I'll take it for what it is right now, which is November. People are thinking highly of us and like I said, hopefully they still will in three months. I The one guy, I mean, obviously Trey Holder, Pac-12 Player of the Week, and, and really yeah. having a well-rounded first four games of his senior yeah. season. 
But the one guy who I want to talk about, we, we talked about him last time, but Daquan Lake and, and the bigs, I guess, in general, yeah, far and away better overall than I thought they were. And even when they have one has a down game, another one steps up. I mean, Romello White is, right. you know, baby Ike almost with these double doubles <laughs> every game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it goes to show you how different a team can feel when they've got some size. I mean, I, I was I listened to some of the game um, Friday night because I was driving to I went and saw one of the high school football playoff games here, and so I was in the car for a while, and you know, and just the just the feeling of you know teams couldn't just go in the paint on us, and we could rebound and and we could score inside, and it, I mean, it just it was like man, this this whole new world has opened up to us from where we were last year, where it felt like everything had to come on the outside. We had to make a lot of threes. Uh, you know, we had to have our guards do well because we couldn't rebound and we couldn't defend. Now it feels like, you know, okay, well, we still have the shot making. We still have the guards, but now we've got that extra element that makes things just a little bit easier for everybody. Well, and it lets Cody Justice play a much more natural position. And it makes, yeah. the, you know, when everybody gets to slide back a spot, it makes the right. defense a lot better. You know, you're not it asking does, Justice yeah. to guard a four, which means you're not asking, right. you know, Trey Holder to guard. Oleka to, yeah. to guard. Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, yeah, we last year our biggest guy who could play was about six five or six six, and that's tough. You know, it, it's it's really tough. So, yeah, I mean, this team, you know, we not quite sure how good they are defensively just yet. You know, the the fun of scoring ninety plus points every game is we haven't had our defense tested just yet. We'll see, but at least there's an element of shot blocking, an element of rebounding. And the scoring inside. I mean, that's the other thing is just the ability to get easy baskets. Last year, we didn't have that. You know, we had to shoot well from the outside to have any chance. And we did in some games and, and you know, played well in some games because of that. But now it feels like we've got a different way to attack you than just shooting threes. Well, and it gives these guys somebody to dump the ball off to. Right. Which is, right. you know, last year our interior game was mostly the guards having to slash and then finish. And Aleka, right. d- uh, this is not to knock Aleka, but he's oh, one of no. those guys where he would be great on this team where he could be the, the sure. power forward. He could be the, yeah. the second yeah. big when we want to go to a big lineup. But asking him yeah. to go up, he was, you know. He was miscast. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a, a good player and he gave us everything he had and, you know, thank God we had him in some ways because, uh, you know, without him, where would we have been? I mean, you know, he he plugged a hole as best he could, um, but he just he shouldn't have been asked to have to plug that hole. And, you know, it just that's the way it happened. Some guys, you know, Romello White was ineligible. Jethro was not up to the uh, ability that we thought, you know, and there just there was nobody else. Um, so he had to do it. But, yeah, I mean, it, we talked about last year how nice he would have been on a team with Jeff Pendergraf. And, and, yeah, you look at this year's team, you wish you had one more year of him because he'd be a real nice compliment to what this team does. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, let's back out a little and talk about the three senior guards. You know, Remy Martin obviously is the wave of the future and everyone's – in yeah. awe of the defensive intensity that he seems to be bringing from the time he showed up on campus. But let's talk about the three seniors, Holder, Justice. I mean, those guys are yeah. dominating. And they, you know. They're good. They're good, and they're what they have to be. I mean, we talked about it before the season started. 
and said, you know, we needed those three guys to all raise their game a little bit. And it looks like early on they all have. Certainly Evans and Holder have gotten off to great starts. I mean, they've been very impressive so far. They have passed the ball well. They've buried, it feels like, 80% of the corner threes go in. When yeah, they, you know, they, yeah. And that's key. You know, the they are the straw that stirs the drink. And yeah. they're not turning yeah. the ball over. They're playing good defense. They're, the other thing that they're able to do is they're able to shut down runs by other teams with a clutch three or, yes. you know, yes. take the air out of the ball and work a good possession down low. You know, they're not right. settling for mid-range awkward jumpers. No, no, agreed. I mean, yeah, and, and just the, the run-and-gun pace that they've kind of both led. Uh, I mean, listen, again, I was just listening to the game on the radio, and it had an exciting feel. It just felt like there was action all over. And, and, and you know, well, again, I mean, it, we'll see how this translates against better competition. You start getting into conference play. But it's, it's an exciting brand of basketball right now. You've got, you know, seniors who are good and you can trust. And you've got young talent who looks really promising with a couple more guys in the pipeline for, you know, hopefully around the end of December. They both are back in, in the fold and, then you've got depth, too, which is something we're not getting much of right now. We're playing set eyes, basically. You add those two guys in, you start playing nine, and it's exciting. I mean, that, that's the word that keeps coming to my brain, you know, and, and a word that we haven't said a lot about ASU basketball in our years here and, and after is exciting. And, and right now, that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I saw, and I've only seen it on the ESPN postgame notes, but is it possible that Mickey Mitchell's going to be eligible now, like tomorrow or Thursday? I, yeah, Is there some a, thought of that? The ESPN note, and it's the only place I saw it, the postgame note for the UCI game yeah. was, yeah. you know, ASU is next up against Kansas State, continuing this tournament in Vegas. Forward yeah. transfer Mickey Mitchell may be eligible to play, and that's the first time I've heard any chance of him coming earlier huh. than November. I hadn't heard that I, I mean, either. earlier than December. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the, the game I had kept hearing was Kansas. Um, I have not heard that. Now, I, you know, admittedly, we're kind of, or at least I am, uh, you know, and maybe you too, with Doug Haller covering football primarily, we're not getting the same basketball coverage. Uh, I don't think anybody from the Republic, I don't know who even covered the Sunday game because it wasn't Metcalf either. Um, so we're not, I don't feel as up to date on the news surrounding this team. So it's possible. I have not heard that, though. Yeah, it, it, I I just didn't see it anywhere, nowhere on social media or anything. No, except no. for when I w- was reading the game summary on ESPN, and they said, you know, he might be eligible because I thought that all the talk was the earliest he would be back is the Kansas game. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I had heard. So I, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, it'd be great to have him get in there and and you know start to get his role figured out, and then get Lawrence back. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully before Pac-12 play. So I don't know how soon it will happen, but yeah, I mean, the sooner the better because then you can start to kind of iron out the kinks. Obviously, he's been, you know, hasn't played for a year, so there'll be some rust on him, I'm sure, but be, we'll be counting on him once things get rolling in Pac-12, I would, I would expect. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they fold in these guys when they become available. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you wonder. I mean, the one guy I think who's playing now and he's starting is Vitaly Shibble, who hasn't been great. He's probably of the guys who have played this year. He, he hasn't really acquitted himself 
so great yet. Now it's early. I'm not ready to give up on him, but you could see that his minutes could potentially be reduced when other guys get back and, and we have that rotation. Uh, but right now, I mean, who else would you take out of the fold? I mean, you're not taking White and Lake at all. You're certainly not taking the three guards down, and Remy Martin is forcing his way into play. So, you, you know, you're just going to be a little deeper and have to figure out how to spread the minutes a little bit. But that's a good problem to have. One we certainly did not have last year or the year before when we had no depth whatsoever, and it was like, you know, how can how can we find guys who can play enough minutes? It's a good problem to figure out how to spread it out among guys who can. Yeah, Shibble feels like he's getting the Kendrick Perkins uh, start. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. are the starter technically, right. but you're playing 11 but minutes, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that in the box score. He's uh, he's getting about 10 to 15 minutes, and that's about it. And you know, we we need him to play because right now we only go seven deep on scholarship guys, basically. Um, so you know, but once we get those other two guys back. You could kind of see a scenario where his minutes decrease, um, but maybe not. You know, maybe he'll take advantage and and get going. You know, just like Mitchell, he hasn't played much. I mean, he sat out all last year, injured. So I mean, there's some rust on him, and maybe he'll find his stride. And and by you know the end of December, we'll be saying, well, you got to keep that guy in the fold because he's a difference maker. Not yet, but we'll see how it goes. Well, and what's nice is at some point, if Austin Witherell's getting eight minutes of run. That means we're blowing yeah. teams out. Yeah, it so. is. It is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good start, and I'm very curious to see how they do this week in, in Vegas, right, where this tournament is in Vegas. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it'll it'll be fun to see how they do. And then they got some some quality opponents, obviously, in December, Kansas being the headliner, in, you know, in Kansas. But I saw Vandy beat USC this week, um, so that'll be a, an interesting game. And you know, we'll we'll know a little bit more about a month from now when we get to Christmas time. We'll have a better feel for just maybe how good this team can be in Pac-12 play. I feel like the door is open, you know, beyond maybe Arizona, maybe USC, but who knows about them. Um, you know, there doesn't appear to be a lot of great teams in the Pac-12. So, you know, hopefully we can climb that ladder fast and get into the top three or four. Yeah, and if, I think if we're in the top three for sure, we're in. Top four probably as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, so we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, there's several teams who probably are thinking the same thing right now. Well, we could make a run, you know, it's there. Some will and some won't. But, yeah, I I like what I've seen from this team so far. But, again, i got to keep saying it. It's early. Uh, You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and start making March plans just yet. Uh, We're going to transition now to our final topic um, before we get into it, this is a warning to everyone who's listening. It's going to be a long rant. There's going to be a long rant here. Um, it's good. It's a good rant. You're going to enjoy it. I, we haven't recorded it. It's not like I'm breaking this in to like give you a warning. Right. But I can't. I, I, I've done this. I've been down this road. We're going to talk about Joe Morgan's letter to every Hall of Fame voter saying uh-huh. that players with PED issues should not be voted into the hall of fame and we're going to discuss our thoughts and remember that we went to a school that is the (laughs) alma mater of barry bonds and our views align with people not because of that but how you think people who went to that school would would view it so matt true joe morgan wrote a letter saying that players 
with performance-enhancing drug issues should not be in the Hall of Fame. One, too much gray area for me uh, on what that means. And two, you're you're leaving guys out who are now the all-time hits leader, the all-time home run leader, some legendary starting pitchers, uh, and then guys who aren't accused of doing anything directly but who the whispers are about right right exactly i mean uh, you know i don't i don't know if we have talked about this on uh recording but i know i've talked about it a lot over the years um since we went to school together probably since we were in high school together but certainly since college as this issue's gotten more and more steam um and I've been consistent, you know, and I, my, you know, you're right. We did go to ASU and certainly that, uh, I guess, you know, affects my perception of Barry Bonds, but I don't think it affects my perception of this because to me it goes along with how I think about a lot of things in sports, which is you acknowledge what happened. You don't erase history. Um, I'll give you a little side rant here. USC, UCLA on Saturday night, they show a montage of Heisman trophy winners from USC Left out Reggie Bush. Okay, I'll buy that, even though I disagree with it. Also left out O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson won the Heisman. You don't have to like him, but he won the Heisman. He should have been in the montage. And so this is, to me, the same type of thing. The best players should be in the Hall of Fame, and we're not doing that. And that I, I feel very consistent across sports, across topics in that regard. I've not swayed off that, and I won't. I'm with you. Mine comes down to a more... So I have two paths I want to go down. The first one is we are being disingenuous. When Mike Lupica writes writes a book about how the summer of 98 saved baseball and then writes a book besmirching the guys who made the summer of 98 special... Yes. I, I take issue with that. I, and No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And Joe Morgan probably called some of these games on Sunday Night Baseball back in, in the day and probably raved. I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting if somebody would go back and do the research and, and watched him and listened to him probably slobber all over Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa about how great they were for the game. I bet he did because everybody was. I mean, it, it was not just him. It was everybody. So, yeah, I, it, there is a whole lot of hypocrisy in, in these arguments, no doubt about it. So that is my first issue, is we ask these guys to save baseball, and we, and we look the other way about yes. it. And I am fine with that. I'm glad baseball got saved. I'm glad attendance levels went back up. I'm glad that interest remained. I'm glad that... You know, we'll get into the longer story of why I think baseball is going to just outlast football and, you know, baseball and basketball will be the last sport standing. But, um, you know, I'm glad that it happened. And I think that to whitewash it is ridiculous. And as you and I have, as you and I have talked about, there is absolutely nothing wrong with putting on these guys plaques considered to be, uh, you know, a steroid user or played during an era where steroid use was not tested and perceived to be rampant or if the guy tested positive. But the other thing on that, just specifically with the guys from 98 and McGuire, especially Mm -hmm. McGuire Mm -hmm. gave interviews with Andrew Stindione in his locker visible because it wasn't banned. 
And and if it right. wasn't breaking the rules, then it was okay. Like when yeah. the when the whole yeah. dugout was filled with greenies and uppers, right? And that oh, was yeah. allowed. We we don't say yep. all the guys from the seventies need to come out of the Hall of Fame uh-huh. because you know. Uh-huh. Joe Morgan might have been one of those guys. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm here and I was reading this earlier today and I found it and I, you know, there were several tweets I read, but, um, I believe it's Jeff Passan. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. I think he writes for Yahoo, um, took a piece of this about, you know, steroid users knew they were taking a drug that physically improved how they played. And he tweets, replace the word steroids with amphetamines. And suddenly Joe Morgan isn't clutching his pearls with quite the same death grip. The only thing more impressive than some Hall of Famers' talent is their sanctimony and hypocrisy. 100%. Thought that was dead on the money. Couldn't agree with it more. I, I am absolutely on the same page as that argument. And, yeah. And I the mean, thing it, is, we, uh, to, to, we lionize well, guys. Well, we just we lionize guys who did things that harmed their skills. Babe Ruth yes. with the smoking yes. and the drinking. Mickey Mantle being a drunk. Right, you right. know, Short we talk about isn't it amazing yeah. that they did this? Meanwhile, these are guys who are doing everything in their power to improve, and at the time, true, it's not against That's the rules. True, too. I mean, it's just, it wasn't against the rules. You know, yeah. no, it's different. I, I mean, it, you know, if you want to say Ryan Braun or Rafi Palmeiro, yeah. even okay. I mean, I think that Rafi Palmeiro should be in the Hall of Fame. He's got 500 home runs I and 3,000 hits. But yeah, if you want to say that these guys shouldn't be in. But, yeah, you know, because then it was against the rules. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, I could buy that argument a little bit more, but I agree with you. I think they should be in too, um, because they played the game and they were among the best. And and I, and I think I, I think what I mean, you kind of said it in, in the word, and 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 it, it was in a different topic, but it's true. What we do now when these guys get into Hall of Fame is we lionize them. We we you know have these tributes like they are gods among men we don't need to do that like that's the problem that i think people feel uncomfortable they don't want to have a hall of fame ceremony where we you know lavish praise on barry bonds because we feel uncomfortable with it well then don't do it don't do it but you should still put him in the hall of fame he should be in there because the hall of fame is meant to be about the history of the game a museum of the best to do it not the best men but the best players there's plenty of bad guys in the Hall of Fame, every one of the Halls of Fame, but they're the best players to do it. And Barry Bonds is. So is Roger Clemens. So is Mark McGuire. Like, I know people, you know, now it's well, Mark McGuire was just a one-trick pony. So what? He was really good at that one trick. He mm-hmm. should be in. He hit almost 600 home runs. That's Hall of Fame. And and you know, and not to mention the role he played in '98, which you know helped to revitalize baseball when they needed it most. Well, so and, well, and if we're going to talk in. about one trick pony and that's not acceptable, so to that person, I say yeah. to you, is Mariano Rivera not a Hall of Famer? Right. He was 100%. He pitched 100%. one, maybe yeah. two innings a game, and he threw one pitch. But he yeah. threw well, that one pitch you, better than any other pitcher had ever thrown a, a specific yeah. pitch. I mean, and he, honestly, you could take that to an even, an even more extreme. Then every pitcher should not be in the Hall of Fame unless they could hit two because all they did was pitch. I mean, that's the argument with Mark McGuire. Well, all he did was hit home runs. Okay. Well, then let's take Nolan Ryan out because all he did was pitch. He didn't do anything else. I mean, he didn't hit. He didn't run the bases. He didn't play great defense. So he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, right? Because he just did one thing well. It's absurd. I mean, you know, again, I I say that to be uh, absurd because I want to illustrate how absurd it is. 
Uh, I mean, it's just that's what baseball is. A lot of guys in the Hall of Fame did one thing well. There's a few who, you know, five tools, if you want to put that. But there aren't that many. And, and you know, Archie agrees. He thinks this is absurd. Yeah. I mean, he he bit his tongue as long as he possibly and he could. he it up. But yeah. he is pissed. <laughs> All right? Yeah, he, and he should be. And I think he's with us. Uh, I can only interpret that bark to say, Joe Morgan, you are a buffoon. It's just... I think it goes a little beyond the pale to have Joe Morgan to reach out to every writer and say, don't put these guys in. No, that is not the standard because. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sanctimony, and that was the word used in that tweet, but it's a great one. It is, it is such, it's such a baseball thing too. And I mean, I know you love baseball and I like baseball, but that is so baseball. Uh, you know, like, we, we just take ourselves so seriously that we just can't even approach this. I mean, you wouldn't see this in basketball or football. You just wouldn't. People don't take themselves as seriously. And, th- and football, God, there's plenty of ego in football. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen with football. They don't have this unwritten code of morals and ethics that, you know, you don't abide by our code. You don't know how to play the game right. This is This is the sister argument of that. Don't you dare celebrate a home run. You better just walk around the bases like you're not even amused by this home run. You flip your bat, you're a terrible person. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, as you bring this up and you think about football, there are guys who win MVP awards and Rookie of the Year awards and all pros and pro bowlers who are suspended for PEDs. Or, right. you know, have, and we don't care. Yeah, it's yeah just, we just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't bother us at all. But somehow, with baseball, the sanctimony has made it that you know these guys just violated our trust. Barry Bonds, he just broke him. He broke the trust with us as fans. So therefore, we cannot let him celebrate his career ever, and we will not accept him in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, in football, we're good with it. It's cool. I mean, I think part of baseball's thing, and it's part of why I love baseball, is the game itself, the, the 60 feet, 6 inches, the 90 feet between the bases, sure. hasn't changed. So we can look at right. these records and, look, the ball got a lot easier to hit out, sure. the bats got a lot better, science got a lot better, all of that. But yeah. we can look at the things and say, well, this guy did that in 1930, and you're doing yeah. it now. How do you compare to each other? And even though it's a false sure. comparison... When there's no steroids, baseball people like being able to say, but no, you can just they draw do. the line. You can just draw the line, they Babe do. Ruth to Barry Bonds, and say, you know, apples and apples. We're not, there's no issue yeah. here. Sure, Babe Ruth never yeah. had to face a black pitcher. Uh, right. Sure, right. Barry Bonds had much better, sci- potentially scientifically aided uh, sure. health treatments. But sure. The game's different. I mean, you're right. You're right in the sense that it, it you know some parts of it have stayed the same, and you could say that for every sport. Uh, but the game evolves, and I've always said that you know you say that about football. It's hard to compare Tom Brady and Peyton Manning with Johnny Unitas and Bart Starr. They played a different game. Yeah, they both played quarterback. They both played on a hundred yard field. Uh, touchdowns were worth six points, but the game and the style of the game is just so much different that it's really hard to compare. I mean, it's hard and to compare the quarterbacks. The it's hard to compare the '80s quarterbacks to the quarterbacks it of is. today. It is. It <laughs> is. Yeah. I mean, the game evolves. I mean, we're NBA guys are shooting threes at unbelievable numbers. I mean, uh, I think I read somewhere in the in the finals that like the first finals that Magic was in, 
there was, you know, I don't remember what the number was, but there were less threes shot in that entire finals than there was in one half of a game this year in the finals. So, I mean, it shows you the game has changed. Uh, you know, games evolve and, and people figure out new ways to play the game and they, the athletes get different. And baseball's the same, but yeah, there's some there's some element about baseball that people don't want to admit that. They want to say, well, now, wait a minute, you know, I should be able to compare Babe Ruth with Barry Bonds, when in reality, you can't anyway. Whether Barry Bonds took steroids or not, game's different. Pitchers are different. They throw different types of pitches. They throw harder. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds wore a giant elbow pad that they didn't have back then, which allowed him to lean over the plate. So there's all kinds of things that change the game from when from then to now, but only steroids get this upset. That's the thing that like just gets us all in a tizzy and we just can't have it. Yeah, you know, basically I think Joe Morgan is wrong. And Oh, without a doubt. I thought it immediately. Um and I, you know, and he's the thing is Joe Morgan's not the first to express this sentiment, probably won't be the last. Um, you know, I, there's been a softening over the last few years, but you know, the fact that a guy like Mark McGuire, I think Mark McGuire's off the ballot now, isn't he? I mean, he didn't get enough votes to even stay on. Yeah, but there's been a, a shift and a push um, on some of the to get him next in, like, tier some guys, of the, too. Yeah, you know, they know, I know they have various, like, uh, they've changed the structure with, you know, modern era candidates and stuff like that. Um, and there has been an increase in votes for guys like Bonds and Clemens, which there should be. To me, they should have been in automatically. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me, you know, to to think that when we went, we were fans, you know, in their careers, if you went and saw Bonds play, if you went and saw Clemens play, you would have said, man, I am seeing a Hall of Famer, and you wouldn't have hesitated. And now, I guess technically they're not, but they are. I mean, talent-wise, they are, and, and yet the Hall of Fame doesn't want to admit it. Talent-wise, results? I mean, it was... Oh, yeah. There's nothing... Yeah, you're right. It's more than just talent. It's not Bo Jackson. We're not talking about a guy who had the talent but couldn't you know, didn't actually have the career for whatever reason. Yeah, they they had the careers, all-time great careers, and they should be acknowledged for that. Put them all in. Just put all of them in, every, uh, to a person. Yeah, just get I agree. all of them in there. That's, that's how I've felt all along. I feel like you should just put in the guys who, who deserve to be there, and I guess deserve's a bad word to use because people would say, well, they don't deserve to be there if they took steroids. They deserve to be there because of what they did on the field. They were among the best players of their time, and that's how you could judge it. Not are you know not are they better than Babe Ruth? I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. You know, if you if you don't want to believe that, fine, that's your prerogative. Um, but you know, Barry Bonds was the one of the best players of our lifetimes. Um, so was Roger Clemens, and they should be acknowledged as such. Yeah. Well, and the cross era stuff is. A ridiculous thing to say, you know, to say they're the same, because it's like no one's ever going to break Cy Young's wins record, right? right. No one's ever right. going to have 511 wins. It's just not. It is no impossible. Not even close, but not even close. But yeah. on the flip side, you could take a mediocre starting pitcher today who's got a high 80s fastball and a decent breaking ball, and that would be witchcraft back when Cy Young pitched. I mean, no one would come near touching that guy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that's another great element that you point out. I mean, how much much has changed with pitching? You know, you used to pitch all the time, and a complete game was just what you did. There was was no – 
There were no closers. There were no specialized relievers. There was no left-handed specialists. The game has changed, you know, and, and you can, you know, people will still say, you know, Goose Gossage, I'm sure, would rant about how it has changed for the better because that's what he does. But it just has changed. Whether it's for the better or worse doesn't really matter. The game's different. Um, and, you know, guys have these, you know, Tommy Dunn surgeries that come back and pitch for years and years. Used to be you blew out your elbow, you were done. Your career was over. Uh, you know, so there's a whole lot of things that change about baseball from generation to generation. And steroids just happens to be one of them. It's not the only one. And, and uh, yet it somehow gets this treatment that we just can't, we just can't accept it. We just won't let our guards down to just say, this is how the game was back then. Might still be. Um, there's still some elements of it, probably not as much as there was then. And just accept it for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because the inside baseball people, I think, have just let it go. Bonds and McGuire so, both too. coached uh, in the right. majors right. again. You know? It, yeah. Yeah. It, you I know, think so, too. I, I think there's a softening of the attitudes as, quite honestly, people of our generation start to make it into more influential positions, both in organizations and in the media. Um, you know, there's less of the stodgy old guys that are deciding who's, who should be where and who should be getting what jobs. And there's more people of our ilk who are thinking, you know, we should just probably move on. Um, I think that Bonds and Clemens will get in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure about, like, McGuire and Sosa and Palmero. I don't know if they ever will. Um, I think they should, but that's, you know, probably a lost cause. Uh, but some of these guys will, and that's good. I think we're, we're trending in the right direction, at least, I hope. The one that's going to be interesting to me, and then we can wrap this whole topic up, yeah. is what do you do with A-Rod? A-Rod, A-Rod oh, got yeah, caught three times, yeah, but he got he suspended did. all he three did. times and, and missed yeah. games. So it impacted yeah. his measurable counting stats. Yeah, and yet still ended up with, 600 over 700 plus. homers? Yeah. I mean, 600 was, plus. Yeah. I mean, he, I think it was you know, 696. One of, one of the, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was close. Yeah. You know, and uh, 3,000 hits. Um, to me, you know, again, to be consistent, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, for consistency's sake, if I'm going to say I think they should all be in, then he should be too. He was one of the very best players of our generation, oft criticized and, and earned some of that criticism, no doubt. Um, but yeah, he was great. I mean, you know, he's one of the one of the best to ever do it. Um, did he cheat? Yeah, he did. And and if you want to, you know, put on there, if you want to put it on his plaque, and certainly it follows his legacy, whether it's on his plaque or not, then it should. I mean, I'm not saying we should erase that part of his legacy either, but we shouldn't erase the the successful part as well. I, I mean, like just let's let's take it for what it is. He's a great player who is a notorious cheater. And, and you know what I think is going to help his cause? He's pretty good on TV. He is. Yeah, <laughs> he, has, he has transcended his, his uh, reputation. It's really remarkable for a guy who, as a player, seemed to never be able to get out of his own way. Um, he has been really good on TV, and he has become kind of a lovable character, which you would not have guessed, uh, you know, at any point of his career. Certainly not, you know, the last 10-plus years when he was in New York that he would turn into, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of an embraceable character. I mean, he was the guest picker on college game day and, 
and you know he, he fit in and he felt comfortable and people liked him like what happened to the a-rod that everybody hated like he, he seems to have ditched that yeah it, it's gonna be interesting um yeah it, you know the next probably 10 to 15 years of hall of fame voting will be crazy oh sure sure always yeah i mean you know and, and you know they've changed some of the rules you know to take guys off the ballot sooner than they used to um but you know, as as I'm, I know they, and I don't know all the particulars, but they've done more ways of like getting guys back into consideration um, with some of the different era committees and stuff like that. That I know they started just a couple years ago. So yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, ten, fifteen years from now, as you say, when we look up, where is you know who's in, and are we still having this debate, or have we kind of moved on and put guys in? and left it alone at that point. I, I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. End of rant. It yes. is <laughs> It is Territorial <laughs> Cup week. It's Thanksgiving week. Everybody who's listening, thank you guys for, you know, supporting us and sending us joking Twitter messages and things like that. That's right. Um, we will be back. We're, I mean, we're at 103 episodes, which I didn't actually think we would ever do. So I know, we're, we're, I know, pretty wild. Yeah, we're gonna keep going. Uh, we'll recap the year after the ASU U of A game. We will talk about what happened in the Las Vegas tournament for basketball, and yep. maybe there'll be some fallout about Joe Morgan. Even who knows? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Until next time, have fun with your families. Have a good holiday. He's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>